Well, good morning. My name is Tamar, married to Pete, the other guy teaching the twos, threes, and fours. Like Isaac said earlier today, we are going to be talking about walking with the Spirit today. Now, I don't know what kind of things come to your mind when you think of the Spirit, like the Spirit of God or Holy Spirit. This is just kind of laying a a foundation. We're going to continue to talk about the Holy Spirit and how to walk with the Spirit and by the Spirit. But if you have connotations of, oh no, if we're talking about the Spirit, that must mean we're talking about uh, speaking in tongues and, and all the manifestations and all those things, I just want you to just, it's okay. We're just going to start with the basics today, remind ourselves of, of the basics, but the basics, the foundational truths are powerful. So we've been talking about our, our culture here and our vision. Uh, Pete and I, you know, a lot of people have asked us what our, what our vision is now that we're stepping into lead pastoring. And in some ways, it's kind of funny to us because I'm like, well, not too much has changed in the City Harvest DNA. The DNA of City Harvest being a a presence-driven church and feeling called to plant churches locally, globally, that hasn't changed. But one of the things we used to say is helping people find their destiny in Christ. It was kind of like our tagline. And we said, man, we we wanna go deeper on that. We wanna build on that. And so our, one of our visions here at City Harvest is we believe that we're called to be a people, that means you, me, that live out our identity in Christ and our purpose in Christ each and every day. And we've been talking about that, how that's um, being with God. That means each day loving him every single day with all that we have and all that we are. We talked about how we need to know, we need to learn his character, be reminded of his character through reading the word, through times of singing and praising God in our homes, in our cars, not just here. Being in prayer and fasting regularly, Sabbathing weekly. We've talked about, you know, going with Jesus on mission and in his power. Now, when Jesus gave the disciples, the, the, his, he commissioned them. It was, you know, make disciples, preach the good news, make disciples, heal the sick, cast out demons. And that goes along with some of what we want to do, plant churches globally and bringing deliverance, healing the sick. But this is also what Jesus did while he was here on the earth. He walked the earth and he laid his life down for others. He walked the earth and he forgave freely. He had compassion. That was the thing that motivated him to perform his miracles. Compassion, going with Jesus. Walking with Holy Spirit every day. And that's doing that in obedience. We obey the Spirit so that the fruits of the Spirit are evident in our everyday lives. The fruits of the Spirit are evident to our spouses, to our roommates, to our kids, to our parents, to our very close friends, to our coworkers, to the other kids in the classroom with us. We want those things to be so abundant in us that miracles are a way of life. And then we want to love others like the Father has loved us. It's really hard to love others 
if we don't know how much God has loved us, how much the Father has accepted us. But once we know that, we can't help but love others radically and wholeheartedly. So these are the things that we as a people want to be marked by. We want to be marked by these things where people say, oh, they must, they must be a part of that City Harvest family because they have these things in their lives. These are the kind of transformed lives that we're able to live when we are filled with the Spirit of God and when we walk with the Spirit. So, you know, that all sounds good. Woo, let's be that kind of people. But I'll tell you that I often find myself in a different place than those purposes. I don't know about you, it could just be me, so there's no condemnation here. But I often find myself at different times where I haven't opened my Bible in a while. When I do open it, it seems confusing or irrelevant. I, I don't understand. I don't have the context. I don't have the history for it. I don't know what it means. There's times where I come into church, I don't know about you, and I sing the words that are up on the screen, but I'm singing them half-heartedly. Because maybe, maybe I'm just kind of wondering, are those things true? They don't really seem true in my life. I don't know if you've ever felt far away from God. You're asking him to talk to you. You're asking him to speak to you, and he feels far away. Or maybe he seems silent. Or maybe you're the one that's far away, but you're like, I don't, I don't really want to get close to God. He's so holy, and, you know, he's probably going to be mad at me. He's probably going to be disappointed in me. And if I come to him, I'm just going to get a lecture. Maybe you're good Christian. You're reading your Bible. You only listen to Christian music, K-Love, and worship music, and you have Bible, you know, scriptures posted all over your home, but you're not really sharing your faith with anybody. Maybe you're not really discipling anyone. You're not really investing into the next generation. Maybe you just only hang out with other Christians who think exactly like you. I don't know about you if this is ever you, but sometimes, you know, we hold on to offenses. We gossip. We slander. We judge other Christians. We judge people who aren't Christians. Maybe we make decisions consistently out of anxiety or we make them out of habit. We're just used to doing things a certain way without really asking God, what do you have to say? What do you want to speak into this decision? Sometimes we show up to church, you know, we're bored. We feel like we have to. Maybe we're kind of critical of the service. Oh, they messed up on the worship there. Oh, man, that one thing the, the, the speaker said, nobody greeted me. That's not true. We, we greet you guys. No, but we might get to a point, though, where we kind of just have our circle of friends, the people that we know, the people that we love, the people that love us, and we feel safe. And we feel comfortable and it's easy. And we don't actually, we're settling for a certain kind of relationship. We're setting, settling for a certain kind of religion. One that's easy and safe, but God's called us to radical. He's called us to messy. He's called us to transformation. So there's more. I don't say any of those things for you to feel condemnation because 
I experience those things. <laughs> there have been times where, you know, Pete's like, tomorrow we, sh we should go to church. You know, you should go to that women's conference. You are like on, you know, part of the, the leadership team. You should do you should do that. And I walk in and, and I'm just like, oh, I'm here. I'm here. I give myself a pat on the back. But that's not what God has for us. That is not what he wants us to walk in. There is more than lukewarm religion. There's more than a half-hearted allegiance to God. There's more for us in the spirit, but do we want it? Are we hungry for the spirit? Are we thirsty for the spirit? Are we desperate for more of God? Or are we like, I've got just enough. I'm good here. This is all I need. I've got enough finances. I don't know whoever has enough finances, but maybe that's you. I, I'm pretty good. I, I think I, you know, I read my Bible every once in a while, and I feel good about that. No, Jesus promised us more. He promised us more. So today we're going to talk about what the Spirit is. We're going to talk about the role of the Spirit in our lives and why we need to be filled with the Spirit. We can't walk with the Spirit like in a distance. It's, it's over there. No, we need to be filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit lives inside of us, leading us and guiding us in every single thing. So as I'm talking today, just ask yourself in your own life, how have you experienced the Holy Spirit? How have you experienced the Holy Spirit? What aspects of the Holy Spirit are you still hungry for? What aspects of the Spirit do you thirst and do you long for? You're not seeing it maybe now, or maybe you experienced it a long time ago, but you're ready for more now. So um, we're going to dig into the Word. I got lots of scriptures we're going to go through, and we're going we're gonna to see what we can learn about the Spirit from what the Bible tells us. So for this, I, I went and got out my, my trusty topical Bible, and I got out my Bible dictionary, and that's where I kind of get in trouble because I love going down all the little rabbit trails of when you're learning something, you, you're studying something. So I kind of do a deep dive and then I have to come back up. But So here's the basics, guys. <laughs> in Hebrew, in the Old Testament, the word spirit is ruach. And it refers to a spirit in a person. It could be an evil spirit coming on somebody. But when it refers to the spirit of God, it has to do with breath, the breath of God. It has to do with wind. So like these kind of invisible forces that have power and movement and give life. And in the Bible dictionary, it says this, so you can, you know, if you're, if you're bothered by these words, this is, is what most Bible dictionaries will say, but it's a life force or an energy. And people don't like the word energy because it seems new age or whatever, but, but it's a life force. There's vitality in it. Now in the, the New Testament, the, the word for spirit is pneuma. And it's in the New Testament 379 times, but 240 of those times it refers to the Spirit of God. Now, the next thing that it talks about a lot is evil spirits, but we're not getting into that today. <laughs> the Spirit of God. So the Bible basically begins and ends mentioning the Spirit. So in Genesis 1, 1 through 2, it says, In the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was a formless and desolate 
emptiness and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then, you know, you flip to the end of your Bible, Revelation twenty-two seventeen. This is kind of, you know, building up to something here at the end of Revelation. The spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without cost. What a promise. Now, the middle of the Bible is full of mentions of the Spirit, too. So if you look in, you know, Bible concordance or dictionary and look at the places where it refers to the Spirit of God, you'll see that there are things that define the Spirit of God. They tell us what the Spirit gives, what the Spirit of God brings, or what the Spirit of God is directly connected to. So specifically in the Old Testament, Wisdom and understanding. It'll say the spirit of God came on someone so that they could have wisdom and understanding. One of my favorite um, parts of, of the Old Testament when it talks about the designers, the designers of the tabernacle, and it's talking about how these designers, these two guys, had the spirit of God come on them so that they could accomplish the designs that God wanted, the construction and, and the, the designs that he wanted them to have in the tabernacle. Wisdom and understanding, the spirit of God would come on people and they would prophesy. So the spirit of prophecy would come on people. Power, there was power to win battles. There was power for, you know, the whole army of the Israelites, the spirit of God would come on them and they would defeat their enemies when they shouldn't have. The spirit would bring justice. You go through the prophets. The spirit brings justice. It proclaims justice. The spirit always tells the truth. That's one of the things I love about the spirit. The spirit is not going to butter you up. The spirit of God is not going to make you feel all warm and fuzzy. Now you might, but I often find that the spirit of God is both this convicting thing, this wow, wow, here's how I get to see how I, I really am now. And also this warmth just wrapped in love, but it's not flattering. It tells the truth. The Holy Spirit would enable and empower people, not enable like, you know, you just, you know, give people whatever they want and do whatever they want you to do. It's an empowering enabling. And then, of course, in the New Testament, the Spirit looks a little different. It's still doing those same things. It's still connected to prophecy. It's still connected to wisdom and revelation. But it has a different role and it feels more personal because it actually is. So the spirit is connected to faith, great faith. The spirit's connected to boldness. You know, when the disciples are preaching and they're going into these cities where they know they're going to get stoned or they, they know they're going to die. They know they're going to die as martyrs and they have great boldness to proclaim the truth in front of crowds, in front of political and religious leaders, it brings joy. Joy when they're in prison and they're singing songs to God. It brings righteousness, right standing with God, right living, hope, peace. The Spirit gives life. It brings freedom. When you dwell with the Spirit and walk by the Spirit, it produces good fruit. 
But the spirit is always beckoning us, always inviting us to more. Always. There's always more of God. There's always more of God. But do we want it? Jesus said he came to give us abundant life. He, you know, he told his disciples, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I came so that you would have life and life abundantly. And then he goes on to tell his disciples in um, John 15, 26. This is the amplified version. Sometimes I like that. But he says, when the helper, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. When the helper in parentheses, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby. Standby isn't like when you go flying and you get put on standby. Standby means next to. Comes, when this helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who comes from the Father. He will testify and bear witness about me. He's going to tell you what I told you. He's going to remind you of the things I said, and he's going to help you be like me. Then he says later in John 16, 7, but I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. I'm always boggled by that. The disciples are like, come again. (laughs) It's to our advantage. If you leave us, you're the Messiah. You're the savior. You're, you're amazing. Um, You're our friend. You're our leader. What? It's better for you if if you go away. And he says, yes, because if I don't go away, the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you to be in close fellowship with you. So the name of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that Jesus used is helper. And that's parakletos, if I said that right, in the Greek. And it means what the Amplified said, counselor, advocate, comforter. But it was actually used in the Bible as a legal term. It meant lawyer, legal counsel. Now, before you all are like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Lawyers, I mean, you know, they don't have the best reputation. But it's somebody who knows more than you about the law. Somebody that you might need to call upon if you're in trouble. Somebody who will sit there in the courtroom with you and plead your case for you. Your job is to sit there, to listen to the advice of your counsel. So here's what the helper does. The helper bears witness that we belong to God and are children of God. The Holy Spirit reminds us that we're God's children. The Holy Spirit, the helper, intercedes for us when we cannot pray for ourselves. Have you ever been in a place where you didn't know what to pray? Where your tears are your prayers? Your tears are the things that are coming out and they're leaking out of you? Well, don't worry. The helper is interceding for you in that moment. Not just in that moment, all the time. The helper guides us into all truth. The helper gives wisdom and understanding all throughout the Bible over and over again. If you're lacking wisdom, ask, ask, and God will give it to you. The whole or the helper, like I said, teaches us and reminds us of what Jesus has said. I forget things all the time. Ask my kids, mom, we had this conversation with you. Don't you remember? I asked if I could go to that person's house. No, I don't remember any of that stuff. (laughs) 
And I also sometimes don't remember who God says I am. I also forget who he called me to be sometimes. I forget the promises of God that I have access to if I would just receive them and grab a hold of them. But the helper reminds me of what Jesus has said. The Holy Spirit, the helper, convicts us of sin. Now, a lot of times we think of this as, oh, all the other things are so great. Oh, the convicts us of sin. You know what? I don't want friends that don't tell me when I have spinach in my teeth. If you're that kind of person and you think it's nice, I'm sorry. But if we're close friends, I expect you to say, oh, you have spinach in your teeth. Your breath smells bad. I can tell you didn't put on deodorant today. I can tell that the way you're talking to your kids is coming from a place of maybe irritation or anxiety. That didn't sound very nice. Hey, you seemed a little distant lately. Now, maybe you don't want those kind of friends in your life. I do. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, convicts us of sin. Why? Because sin kills us. It destroys us. It hurts us. And most often, there's hardly any sins we can do that only hurt us. They hurt other people too. The Holy Spirit, the helper, helps us. To, it holds up a mirror. Here's what you've got going on. I'm just going to hold up this mirror. It's your choice whether you want to let me help you or not. The helper directs us as we make decisions. So many of us, we're making decisions out of habit, anxiety, fear, pride, insecurity. There are so many times I have to, you know, encourage someone to not make a decision because they're afraid someone's going to get mad at them. To not make a decision because it's just what they've always done. The Holy Spirit, the helper wants to help us make decisions. The helper marks us as children of God and seals us. Now, in the, if you look into what some of the scriptures say about sealing us, it's uh, deposit. It's a deposit. It's a down payment. It's earnest, like earnest money when you buy a home. It's a mark. It seals us, but it also says there's more. There's more later on. The helper lives in us and through us, and the helper gives us power to live a new way of life. We can't live the lives that God has called us to lead without the helper. We can have a lot of knowledge about God. We can have solid doctrine, solid theology. We can be a good person with good morals, but we need the helper to live. So we're going to go to Galatians 5, if you have your Bibles. Yes, it's up there, but hey, if you brought a Bible, let's use it. If you have a phone, feel free to pick it up, open up the Bible app. Galatians 5, 13 through 25. I think the version up here is the NIV. I'm reading from NET here, so it might be a little different. So 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity to indulge your flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law can be summed up in a single commandment, namely, you must love your neighbor as yourself. I think it's very interesting that they didn't say the love God part with all your heart, soul, and mind. However, if you continually bite and devour one another, beware that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, live by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh for the flesh. And that doesn't mean our physical bodies. Some people get that confused. It's our sinful nature 
For the flesh has desires that are opposed to the spirit, and the spirit has desires that are opposed to the flesh. For these are in opposition to each other so that you cannot do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Typically, when you go through these, these listings of things, if you're like me, you look for the ones that you're not. Doing pretty good right now on sexual immorality. Whew, okay, yeah, oh yeah, definitely not like, you know, witchcraft, not doing anything like that. So I want you to look for the ones, not, don't go for the obvious guys, because sometimes we group that and we're like, oh, that's who I was in the past. No, there's some things here for each of us. Okay, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, that's simply mixture when our hearts are divided between things of the world and things of God. Depravity, idolatry, when we think of other things more than God. Sorcery, you know, witchcraft, I don't know, maybe some of you are involved in that. Hostilities, strife, jealousy, Outbursts of anger, selfish rivalries, dissensions, factions, envying, murder, drunkenness, carousing, and similar things. I am warning you, as I had warned you before, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit... This is what the spirit produces in us. These are not goals. I'm going to try to love today. I'm going to try to have joy. I'm going to try to have peace. These aren't goals. These are byproducts. Love, joy, peace, patience. I love some, some say patience. Some say forbearance, long suffering. The Holy Spirit allows us to suffer in relationships or at jobs for a long time. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. I love that gentleness in there. Jan, you know, we'll talk, Jan Stahl teaches about that, how gentleness is when you have strength and power under control. You have strength and you have power, but you use it for good. Gentleness and self-control against such things. There is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ... If you've said you believe in Jesus, you're following Jesus, you have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And often that can be a daily struggle, a minute by minute struggle, which is why we need the spirit. Because if we live by the spirit, let us also behave in accordance with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, being jealous of one another. I think it's interesting in the living by the spirit, does it, the spirit empower us to heal the sick and, and, and preach boldly and all those things? Yes, but the spirit enables us to live rightly with each other. There's a, a pastor in Brooklyn, Rich Viotas. He's the author of The Deeply Formed Life. And he, he said, evangelical Christianity in the United States is often characterized by a deep desire to have Christianity pervade our culture, but not have Christ permeate our being. The spirit of God is meant to permeate our being. It's meant to be honest. The spirit of God can come on us in a moment for a specific assignment, 
but it's supposed to actively be working in us to make us more like Christ so that we can relate to the Father like he did, so that we can hear his voice, so that we can do what he did while he was on earth. So do you see your need to be filled with the Spirit? Do you see it? Do you have an awareness of your need for the Spirit? This is where I find myself, and I'm sure some of you find yourself here too. You start living your lives in the natural where you're doing your best and you're trying to do good things and you're trying to get through hard things, but we're lacking the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't just mean struggles where you're going through something and God is with you, but he's still allowing you to feel the struggle because that's resistance that makes you stronger. That's resistance that builds your faith. I mean, when we're trying, but we left God over there. Many of us are trying to live right and, and, and think right but we're doing it in our own strength. I often hear people talk about wanting freedom in an area of their life, but the first question, whether I say it out of my mouth or not is, but have you counted the cost? Do you really want freedom? Because if you want freedom in that area, there's a cost. We want the benefits of the spirit without having to give up things in our lives. Now, I want to be careful because I feel like with a message like this, that you've, you've got the enemy whispering in your ears, condemning you and accusing you and telling you of all the ways that you're not measuring up. That is not the point. This is not about like, guys, we can't go to dances and no dancing's wrong and we can't listen to any secular music. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being transformed from the inside out. Most of us were like, man, we want better friends. Maybe you like the friends you have. Maybe you want better ones. We want more money. We want less problems, right? We want our marriages to be without any tension or struggles. We want our kids to just follow God without, you know, us having to try to help them know God. We want our families to stop being so dysfunctional. But we want safe. We want comfortable. We want easy and Jesus never promised us any of that. Go back. You know, you can get a, a Bible dictionary, topical Bible, a couple, you know, I don't know, 30 bucks on Amazon or something. Just send it to your home, get it to your home and start going through there. The promises of God, the promises of Jesus. He never said anything about that. He did say, though, that the spirit would fill us, that he'd send the Holy Spirit, the helper. It would fill us. It would give us power and it would make us like him. The spirit fills us in John 4, 13 through 14. Jesus answered everyone who drinks this water. He's talking about this water in the natural there will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In John 7, 37 through 39, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, this is not him just being like, hey, to my followers, in the middle of the festival, <laughs> let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Then it gets quiet again. The narrator comes back in. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. 
The Spirit gives power. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Spirit is the one that empowers us to go with Jesus on mission. And it's very interesting in the, in the books of, of Luke and John, they really make the point that living by the spirit means you are living a life of mission. The spirit makes us like Jesus. Ephesians 1:13, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed some of you, that is a moment in time. You can remember at youth camp, you can remember being five and praying the, the prayer of salvation. Maybe it was last week. Some of you, it's a little more muddled, but if you believe, so when you believed, you were marked in Jesus with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession to the praise of his glory. So the difference about the spirit in the New Testament is it's defined as this helper, this counselor who has taken over Jesus's role on earth. So Jesus is present to us in and through the spirit. Now, walking with the spirit is this lifelong transformation, okay, making us into the image of Christ. But the spirit is the mark of God's claim on our life. The spirit is the mark that Jesus is reproducing the same character of himself in us. It's reproducing the relationship that Jesus had with the father. And it's reproducing his resurrection life in us. There's a quote here. It was from, I can't remember if it was the Bible dictionary, the topical Bible, but um, as believers... Our daily living becomes the way we can respond to God's claim on us, enabled, empowered, right, by the power of the Spirit of Jesus. As believers, our daily living becomes the way we can respond to God's claim on us, enabled by the power of the Spirit of Jesus. So how are you currently experiencing the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you have all that you want of the Spirit? Or are you hungry and are you thirsty for more? The experiences of the Spirit in the New Testament were marked by God's love and joy, revelation, freedom, spiritual gifts, inspired speech, bold speech, speaking in tongues as one of the things, prophecy, praise. If we're lacking in these experiences, it might be because we have not allowed the Holy Spirit to fully consume us. This is not condemnation. This is invitation. This is invitation. There's more. There's invitation that you don't have to walk out of here the same. There's invitation that when you do walk out of here, you have the indwelling Spirit of God, the helper, to empower you to live differently the rest of the day to help you live differently at school tomorrow or at your job tomorrow or in your home tomorrow. We don't have to stay the same, but are we desperate for more?